Welcome to the wonderful world of dance, bringing you exclusive interviews with top dancers and choreographers and reviews of the world's best companies across the globe. You can find lots more on our website at thewonderfulworldofdance.com. Hi, this is Savannah Saunders from The Wonderful World of Dance, and today is a special podcast as we're discussing one of the most visionary and influential choreographers in the world, Merce Cunningham. The life of this legend is the subject of a new 3D film simply titled Cunningham. I had the pleasure of watching this film just the other day and absolutely loved it. It is so beautifully shot. It shows a huge range of Cunningham's work and it has footage of the man himself and other dancers who have worked with him throughout the decades. I'm so excited to introduce the filmmaker for this wonderful film, Cunningham, Ella Kovgan. Hi, Ella. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for... Thank you for having me. I absolutely adored watching this film. I thought it was an incredible piece of uh, cinematography. Wonderful, wonderful. But I wanted to, before we talk about the film, just to learn a little bit more about yourself, in fact, because I understand you were born in Russia, but you're now based in the US. Tell me about your own filmmaking. Um, indeed, I was born in Moscow, and um, in the mid-90s, I actually moved to the United States specifically because I wanted to do cinema. My first background is in languages and linguistics, uh, but when I got to the U.S., um, interestingly enough, I had a hard time writing scripts, traditional scripts, because, you know, English was still not my native language. It took me probably like 10 years to you know, to get to the level of writing I wanted. And so I started working with physical performers. And that's what led me to dance film collaboration. So I started this quite, you know, many years ago, almost two decades. Um, um, and what I discovered is that modern dance and cinema share birthday. That's the end of the 19th century. And if you think of cinema, it was an art that was invented to capture motion and most interesting movies were dancers. So a lot of first filmmakers ended up filming um, physical performance or dances and actually thanks to them cinema became popular so it's a very interesting um, so I sort of dived into um, you know dance film collaborations mm -hmm. uh, started a festival in St. Petersburg where you know showing all kinds of dance films just primarily because I wanted to um, to learn, mm -hmm. you know, to see what's possible between cinema and dance. And that's how I came across Moskayim. And you've actually produced quite a number of dance films in your career, as you said, over the last uh, you know, decade or more. What led you to make this particular film at this particular time? Um, I never really wanted to make a film about Moskayim. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's the kind of choreographer that has 16 dancers going to different directions and you cannot make a single shot, you know. So, but what happened is um, a, a film, Pina, came out by the inventors about Pina mm -hmm. Bausch and it was shot in 3D. And that's the first time I felt that 3D and dance have incredible potential, especially with that feel. Uh, you have a different experience mm -hmm. of dance on screen uh, with 3D. Um, and it's very moving because now the inventors actually watched our movie, um, you know, a week ago. So it all came full circle and he absolutely loved yeah. it too. So it was an incredible experience. But um, when it all, it all coincided with um, a Merce Cunningham company shutting down, that was mm -hmm. 
2011. The Kaihem closed December 31st, uh, 2011. And I remember sitting there watching the last performances of Kaihem Company. And that really, uh, the idea struck me that perhaps uh, 3D and dance, uh, 3D and MERS can be a great fit. Um, and uh, yeah, just just to finish, I mean, you know, it, so it really came from the work, you know, from my interest, not so much to capture his dances, but to try to translate his ideas into cinema with capital C. I have to say, it's um, it, it's quite, it was quite an unusual unusual experience, you know, going into the cinema and getting your 3D glasses. And you say, like, you know, 3D has been applied um, to for film for you know quite a while but you know it's it's sometimes can be a very bit of a disconcerting experience you don't quite know what you're going to get in terms of the the feel and so when I put the glasses on and the film started well first of all my stomach flipped a little bit I think getting used to the 3D but it was (laughs) it was such an interesting um, element to add to dance because it really did make the actual dance come out of the screen and to have depth in a way that normally it doesn't translate into normal film on uh, dance on film. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, you know, 3D gives you a sense, you sort of experience the distance between people. Yeah, the other thing what happens is your brain works harder. I think it's like, you know, 30% harder and you settle in, actually. You're much, much more concentrated, you know, so you allow yourself to watch and then you start seeing so you, you know, this film is interesting. If you watch it in 3D, the dances really take over. It becomes an experience. If you watch it in 2D, the story takes over. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating what 3D actually does. It really creates an, an experience for the viewer. Yeah, absolutely. But I do love about this film, though, is that it does tell such an insightful and really uh, well-crafted narrative around Cunningham and his life and his work which, as we know, was rejected by the dance world at the time and really shows that journey and his experience of persevering persevering and being committed to creating work that he really believed in, um, despite all of the, the objectors and, you know, the tomatoes he, he talked about being thrown at. Um, and I'm just interested, there's such a vast array, and I think the, the, the element that I also love was there's so much work of his shown in the most incredible way so i love how the film opens up i don't want to give too many spoilers out but and you see that the uh dancers on a rooftop i won't say where i really don't want to um give a give the spoilers but it's such an incredible introduction to his work and to the film and the way it's shot was amazing how did you approach presenting such a huge amount body of work in such incredibly diverse locations it's a great question. Um, you know, because the intention was to translate Mercer's ideas into cinema, um, what uh, happened is that um, first we identified the period. Yeah, and the period is, is between 42, 1942 and 1972, primarily for those men, because it's, uh, it's the struggling years. You know, it, it's a film about how Mercer became Mercer you know, from a young dancer to uh, an established choreographer. And so once we began working, I had the privilege working with two amazing people, uh, you know, uh, Robert Swinston, who worked with Merz for 32 years, and Jennifer Goggins, who worked with Merz for 12 years. And so together we took about six, seven months to actually looking at the choreography 
that Murph made within that period. And he was incredibly prolific. He made 80 dances. And some of the dances were very well recorded. They were a recording of their rehearsals. They were recordings of their performances. And some of them were not at all. They were just notes on paper. So we went through the process of identifying the dances. And most of them were iconic pieces. Um, this is the period where Merce collaborated. Uh, the, the company's designer was, um, you know, Robert Rauschenberg. Mm-hmm. They made 16 collaborations out of the 22 within the time frame. So they became kind of the through line. And then, of course, several more that when Rauschenberg leaves, um, you know, Jasper Johns and um, Andy Warhol. Um, but once we actually identified those pieces, um, we tried to identify what things Mars actually explore in each piece. Because, you know, Mars, you know, he didn't often make dances to music. Most mm. of the time he didn't. He um, was not necessarily inspired by some particular narrative or emotion. He always starts with some physical question or a concept, you know. So, for instance, if the dance based on the idea of falling, like Winter Branch, um, what we would think about what falling actually means in cinema terms. How would cinema deals with falling? You know, if it's a dance based on the action of being closed together, like crisis, uh, you know, what does it mean um, film to be close together? Or if it's a dance based on the uh, concept of layering like rune, um, we would think about those questions and that's how, and if you think about dance in cinema terms, the stage goes away because cinema does not think in theatrical stages, you know. Uh, cinema immediately thinks in places and spaces. So that's how those locations start to showing, started showing up, you know. Uh, so if it's, if it's winter branch based on the action of falling, we would put in a rooftop. If it's about layering like in ruin, we'll put in the forest mm-hmm. and with those pine trees that would help to, you know, amplify the idea of layering. If it's uh, being, that's interesting if it's about uh, if it's a dance based on the idea of being close together, now you can actually confine the space physically because dancers have to dance somewhere, you know, but we use light to create this kind of web that basically confines the dance. So that was the process. So we picked 14 pieces and pretty much every piece um, is like a movie in itself um, that has a different location and has a, uh, you know, different cinematic treatment. And I... I really loved as well that it wasn't just archive footage of these pieces, as you say, recorded in various um, sort of quality or aspects or or lengths or, sn- but it's actually a pre- you know presentation of his work by dancers today. This is it had this incredible balance between exploring the ideas of his work and then really presenting what this looks like um, to those who may not have seen such a huge body of work. And I just wonder. You know, when you're on the set, as you say, in these different locations, and you've got the dancers there who have obviously, you know, mastered the work and coming together, what is that like on the set for just for yourself as as a, the filmmaker, the cinematographer, but also as the um, for the dancers as well? Uh, it's a great question. I mean, you know, the film took seven years to make. That was going to be one of my questions. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, half of the time was you know, making the movie and half of the time was making the movie happen. You mm. know, we, 
my director of photography, who I owe a lot. I mean, Michael Mohasano, we've worked together since 2006. You know, he's kind of a dancer with the camera himself. Okay. Uh, but, you know, we walked New York City and we picked all the locations because we really wanted to film this film in mm -hmm. New York City because it's such a New York, you know, artist, it's such a New York story, but we couldn't get money together. And so thanks to our European partners who basically made the movie happen financially in many ways, um, you know, we had to film everything in Germany. So um, all our scouting in New York um, and all our storyboarding for New York um, ended up being useless. So we had to go back uh -huh. and we had to scout Germany from all the way from Hamburg to Stuttgart because if you know geography, it's like from north to south and mm. everything in the middle because of the, our financial obligations we had to shoot in all those different places. And um, you wouldn't believe it, but, you know, we shot this film in 18 days. Wow. Despite the seven years. Uh, yeah, I, I, I literally can't believe that. I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. There's so much work in, in this yes. piece. <laughs> uh, and, and the reason I could do that is because of this meticulous, um, you know, storyboarding and a process that we went through and identified for ourselves. Um, because what we would do is we would first find those locations then we would model them literally in like an architecture program mm -hmm. CAD mm -hmm. you know to scale and then we put that into another program uh, you know that allows to pre-visualize and storyboard and so then we would actually create uh, you know create dances mm -hmm. like almost like an animatic and then we would choreograph our camera inside that program so by the time we get to the set you know everybody knows everything everybody knows what the camera uh, moves are um, you know, every the dancers know the proportions of the set, mm -hmm. so it's very, it's almost. And when once because we have so little time uh, due, due to primarily uh, financial constraints, we had to be incredibly disciplined and organized. So it felt a little bit like a military service mm -hmm. uh, ultimately on the set, where everything was written out, you know, by by a minute, and. And we had to kind of, the hardest thing was to actually teach the, you know, the, the technical crew to be so organized. Because, you know, mm. people don't have experience filming dance at all. I mean, we did a, we did a, and the first pilot, uh, the first dance we shot for the pilot was in 2015. That was two days that we shot in Paris um, for Summer Space, the, uh, the piece from 1958 that Rauschenberg um, made pointless decor mm -hmm. for. And, you know, we, we learned from that that actually crane crews cannot remember more than 40 seconds of choreography, even though we worked with those who actually worked for Pina. And what's interesting is that in Pina, when they were filming, they told us they mostly followed the music cues. Uh, because, you know, Stravinsky music, yeah. Stravinsky's music and the camera goes up according to, you know, the cues. Um, but in, uh, in our case, there was no music, you know. So... Um, so that's why it was completely, uh, you know, mm. they had to remember the choreography. They had to learn it, and it was really difficult for them. First of all, they've never worked with anything like it. So even though they looked at storyboards, even though they looked at everything, you know, it was a real challenge for them to actually sort of synchronize their cameras with, uh, you know, the movement of the dancers. And that took a lot of time. And But the dancers were incredible because, you know, they would tell us how many takes they can do. Like sometimes they say, well, I can I can only do, I can only do, uh, you know, 
five takes of mm. this or I can only do two takes of this. And sometimes they had to do 14 takes oh. of this. It's just mostly because of the, you know, how do you f- arrive to that magic take, yeah. you know, um, that would, where would the camera, where would the choreography of the camera and choreography of the dance align? It was a very open process. You know, uh, dancers could look at themselves. They ha- they got used to mm-hmm. that. They had suggestions, often great. But at the same time, we had always like many, many pairs of eyes. It was myself and our DP and our director of stereography, who was who's probably one of the only dire- uh, directors of stereography in the world. She's a woman, um, Josephine mm-hmm. Dehob, and she did work on Pina. Um, then we had Jennifer Goggins, our, our a, a director of choreography, and then we had, of course, a focus pool and all the crane people or a steady camera. So it was an incredible amount of people looking at the same shot in this very concentrated fashion. But there was a lot of kind of, I, I felt like we were, those takes were like little performances, you know, mm. the concentration was incredible and, and oftentimes it was dead silence. You know, because nobody talked. Everybody was so concentrated, either as an audience member, mm-hmm. you know, or just somebody who was really carefully watching for what's happening on the screen. It is a very... So it was thrilling. Yeah. But Sorry, no, keep going. Yep. Go ahead. No, no, it's just an interesting, you know, like, it, it, it's kind of a magic thing. I mean, one anecdote to tell you that, for instance, crisis. This was a, there's a moment in the film where it's a trio from Crisis and uh, Roshan um, Mitchell, who is in the middle and there are two women, uh, Corey Kresge and Jennifer Goggins in, in that same shot. And basically I get a message in the morning that from a physical therapist whom we also had on set who says that basically Roshan cannot do it. Oh. I mean, there's no way because his knee is going to break. And as the day progresses, we start thinking about, well, what, how we're going to change the shot and everything else. As, as, as everything, um, you know, happening, um, I get another message and it says, well, maybe he can do it once. You know, oh. I think she basically says that a physical therapist who had amazing physical therapist on set, she says, well, maybe, maybe, maybe we can do some magic between, you know, exercise and drugs and <laughs> he can actually do it once. And so in the end, he did it once. But, you know, Imagine now the amount of preparation that went into that shot and the amount of concentration that was required from everyone, from the crew, you know, primarily. I mean, that was an incredible experience. I mean, I think we all wanted to, like, weep after he actually has, um, you know, sort of um, this presence in the moment, you know. And we experienced that on the set and film sets which is not often, you know, which is not often happens, but there were moments like that. And these, um, these very close-knit moments and, and of everyone coming together, it sort of reminds me of um, the closeness of Cunningham and his, his early days of his company, really, where he was, you know, in the back of the van with his dancers driving around Europe, presenting this work to, um, you know, much disregard in the early days. Um, and I'm just wondering as well, because the the film, as you mentioned, does cover the collaborations that he has that are so important in terms of the, the music and also in terms of the, the art. Um, how, for you, what was the most important element in terms of um, bringing, or how did you bring those sort of elements together so that... Um, it was very, very difficult to explain until you see the movie because the, how they come together visually is is quite incredible in terms of some of the recreations of 
on the sets, which are just stunning when they're, I'm thinking uh, particularly of um, One Piece, which um, sort of, I can't remember the name, the one with the, uh, the cam- the camouflage, which is just stunning. Yeah, that's summer space. Summer yeah, space. That's, that's summer it. Space. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. when mm-hmm. and that and just how that looks visually and and you as you describe it, it's it's just incredible. Especially with the three D element, you are so in the moment of watching this performance and and so immersed in the space. It's it's such an incredible experience for the viewer and. I'm just wondering for you, sort of, as the filmmaker, these elements must be very difficult to balance, perhaps, or are they? Well, I mean, you know, if you work with, um, you know, in the arts in general, I mean, you you always, there, there are multiple elements. And, you know, my background, I, I, I've i never been sort of, uh, I, I never had any fear about working with, um, different technologies mm-hmm. and also in different worlds. So because I did, I've done multiple projections. I had an inter- interdisciplinary artist collaborative with a set designer and a choreographer. You know, th- th- I, I've had experience of sort of pulling elements together. Of course, on cinema, it's a little different, you know, because it's sort of today you pull them together and tomorrow you don't need them anymore. Mm. <laughs> you know, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of... And, 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 and so we... Again, we approached every dance as a kind of solitary unit, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we would go really deeply into trying to understand what we need for it, you know. With this particular piece, Summer Space, is is incredible because Merce staged photographs of Summer Space himself in 1958, and Robert Rutledge, amazing photographer, took pictures of those photographs. And In those photographs, he takes Rauschenberg decor and he sort of drapes it on the on the wall and on the floor. And then the dancers are posing in the middle, you know? So they feel like they're enveloped by this decor. And when I've, and, and then I read some, you know, uh, books, basically. And Carolyn Brown, in her book, Chance and Circumstance, she basically says, well, the master was kind of frustrated that he couldn't do that on stage, mm-hmm. you know, just to have the decor just he had this just like as a backdrop you know but not like uh, an environment and then i thought okay and also you know everybody says well it's about this idea of that there are no fixed points in space and you can watch dance from all the different directions and i was thinking okay well one way we could translate the idea behind this dance is to actually realize his dream You know, we can actually now create an environment that would be covered 100% by Rauschenberg painting, whether it's on the ceiling or the floor or the uh, or the walls. So that's how it came about. Because now with technology, we can actually do mm. that. And so what we ended up doing, we went to the Walker Art Center and we took, because there's a recreation of this decor, but we actually went and took the pictures in sections of the original, uh, you know, decor that, uh, that is now kept at the Walk Art Center. And then we took it, pictures in sections and we stitched it together digitally. And so we basically ended up with this giant canvas, you know, that then could be easily sort of spread into this bowl that we imagined. You know, like it's a kind of a spherical space um, that was modeled in France by this effects house La Maison. And then we planted this sort of a, a studio, like a, a actual physical space within that bowl that 
where our dancers were actually dancing. That studio was built. It's a green screen studio that was built in France where we shot the movie. Uh, we printed that those uh, pictures also on the costumes of the dancers and on the floor but the actual walls were all green screen so once we shot everything then Lamazon had to actually you know track the camera movements isolate the dancers and then implant sort wow. of populate Rauschenberg's decor into that green screen but it's not only the green screen, it's also that other ball that was there. So it became this very interesting thing. Honestly, I did not know going into this what would happen. You know, I imagined it's possible, but I never knew it would be possible. Wow. So we were trying to convince everyone that that's definitely what's going to happen. But, you know, we've never done that before. So how do you populate a painting into this kind of environment? But it worked out. It, it, it's, it's an interesting, it was, it was definitely a big risk, I think, that everybody was a bit nervous about what's you, going on. You must out. have been very happy with how it turned out, though. It looks incredible, truly. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, it's definitely, uh, with sometimes I cannot believe the way it looks, actually, honestly. I mean, it just really worked. Um, to, but it's an interesting concept. It, yeah, know? it's interesting as yeah. well, because when you watch the dance performance, you do not get the sense that they're dancing on essentially a green you know, backdrop, that they aren't experiencing um, you know, what we're experiencing, because it's, you would never have imagined that those things are so disconnected. But it's interesting in some type of reflective way of, of Cunningham and his work as well, actually. It's... Um, very interesting. It's very effective, I have to say. I wanted to ask as well. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Everyone must <laughs> see this movie. It's amazing. Um, I wanted to ask as well. Yes. Um, obviously, you're, you know, you were inspired by seeing his work to um, produce this film, create this film. What did you learn through your exploration of the, this great choreographer? What, what was the most surprising thing um, about him or his work that you discovered that has really sort of remained with you? You know, when I began the project, I knew the artist. I, I had an idea who the artist was, but I didn't know the man. And I think the things that struck me is, you know, this Mercer's humanity. You mm -hmm. know, there were a lot of myths about him um, you know people said he was not a very good communicator he was kind of robotic he was not interested in emotion and all these things mm -hmm. um, but in reality I think that's not true at all I think he may not have started with emotions when he was working uh, when he was making a war a piece of you know a, a dance piece but he what he made I think was incredibly emotional if you just only allowed yourself to to the watch the work, you know, mm. without preconception. All he wanted to do is to actually just sort of come and engage, you know, allow yourself to do so. So um, I think he was, you know, he used to say, like, when the dancer dances, he or she is at best of being human. So I think, you know, he was an incredible humanist. I mean, the other thing, he was not an elitist. I mean, you know, he belongs to this American elite, uh, you know, artistic American elite post-war, uh, New York, but you know he was not an elitist. He was not a snob. He would perform for anybody, mm -hmm. anybody who wanted to see. And I thought that actually, because it's really uh, a very natural uh, thing for people to dance. Hold on a second, I'm gonna turn off this. Yes, 
somebody is calling to my driver here. Okay. I'm my phone at all. Wondering where you are. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm in the car. <laughs> oh, yeah, here you go. Found it. Excellent. Thank you. All right. So, um, so and then the other thing I think, you know, it's an incredible moment in American history that what I sort of experienced and, mm-hmm. you know, discovered that, you know, these three men, you know, Cunningham, Cage and Rashma came together and started this company uh, in 1953. And a lot of people compare this to Diaghilev, you know, but yes. Diaghilev was not, Diaghilev was an impresario. He was a visionary impresario, but he put together, you know, Stravinsky, Nizhinsky and Box, you know. Mm-hmm. Here people came together. They came together in the environment where it was possible to make things and be, uh, you know, sort of free in making things without so much concern whether they're going to succeed or not, you know, which is mm-hmm. a kind of a foreign idea in a contemporary society. Because everything you have to make has to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, when Kanye made 180 dances, I mean, I don't know, 30 of my masterpieces, I don't know how many, but mm-hmm. they're not all masterpieces. You know, he always said sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't, you know. So this willingness to accept the possibility of so-called failure is incredible. You know, they chose an approach. They chose that, you know, there's very little communication between the music, dance, and the visual arts while things are being made. And they were interested in what would happen when they put these things on stage. I think this risk-taking is formidable and try to figure something out at that scale today. It's absolutely impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, because everything is guided by this idea that it has to be successful, yeah. you know? So I think that is incredible sort of discovery um, for me. And of course, the final thing is, you know, this spirit of perseverance, of course, that we mentioned so many times. And, you know, when when he got to Europe in 1964, I mean, he was 45 years old. Mm. I mean, what does it mean for a dancer to be 45 years old and finally to perform as many times as he wished? Because when he actually was at the height of his physical ability, you know, uh, you know, he, he didn't have opportunities to mm. perform. He felt that aging process. around the world make sure that you 